Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Joining us today for a quick but important discussion about the state of legal nicotine vaping in Canada is Dr. Jonathan Folds, Professor of Public Health Sciences and Psychiatry at Penn State University College of Medicine. Dr. Folds is a trained clinical psychologist and has spent most of his career developing and evaluating methods to help smokers beat their addiction to tobacco. He was a founding member and vice president of the Association for the Treatment of Tobacco Use and Dependence and has testified to FDA on behalf of the Society for Research on Nicotine and Tobacco on regulation of nicotine replacement therapies. Dr. Folds, thanks for joining us again on RegWatch. Thanks for having me. As we've been discussing on our show over the past year, it appears that Health Canada is taking a wrong turn on vaping. Dr. Folds, from your perspective, what do you make of Health Canada's track record on vaping? I should say that Health Canada has a good reputation for tobacco control. Canada has done a good job of reducing smoking. Um, it's, it's, it's gone down in adults and it's relatively low in young people as well. Um, and I think you know, th those Health Canada's had to deal with the increase in e-cigarette use in young people and the, the, the fears about what that could mean. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I, my own opinion is that overall Health Canada do a good job in tobacco control. I, I personally, I disagree on some of their recommendations for how e-cigarettes should be uh, regulated in the future. And, and I actually you know, wrote to Health Canada when they asked for people to, to share their opinions on this. Uh, for example, they've recommended that the, the, there should be a cap on the nicotine concentration in e-cigarettes. In e and, and I think that the logic there is that by putting a cap on the concentration, somehow that would make e-cigarettes less addictive. And, and so the, the idea here was that kids would be less likely to become less to become addicted if e-cigarettes were less addictive. Um, but I think we, we know with almost certainty, that's not how it works. Um, and vapors know this too, because the nicotine that you get from an e-cigarette is not just determined by the concentration of the, of the, of the nicotine in the liquid. It's determined by the device and the way it works and the, how much heat is delivered to the coil and by the, uh, the relative amounts of vegetable glycerin and propylene glycol uh, in the e-cig, a whole bunch of factors. It's not just about the, the concentration of the nicotine. The reality is that in, whether it's Canada, the United States or the UK, there are more than dozens of devices you can choose. You can choose a, you know, a closed uh, pod system. Uh, you can choose a mod device that you can, uh, that you can adjust. Uh, you can change your coils, you can adjust your wattage and all those kind of things. Um, so it's not as if we have one kind of device and, and the only thing that's changing is the nicotine concentration. But in the case of Juul, they were able to compare the effectiveness of their products and helping people to quit with the same device in different countries. Uh, and, and in different countries, there, was a, there were different concentrations available. So they were able to do a kind of natural experiment comparing dual 2% in the United Kingdom with dual 5% in the US. 
And the evidence suggests that the 2% was less effective in helping people to quit smoking. But the other, the other part of this kind of cap, nicotine cap regulation, is that if you understand the way people use these products, and even if they use the same product, if somebody wants to get the same amount of nicotine from, let's say, a less than 2% product versus, say, a 5% product, they have to inhale more stuff, right, to get the same amount of nicotine. And the other, we tend to believe that the, the nicotine that they're getting is not really the harmful part of inhaling, whether it's aerosol or smoke, it's the other stuff. And so if you have to inhale twice as much or three times as much aerosol to get the same amount of nicotine, which you can do, so it won't achieve its, its aim, but if you have to inhale twice as much stuff, meaning all the other stuff that, that's in the aerosol, you could potentially do harm, right? Because And that's the way people tend to use these products. They tend to, if, you know, if you cap it at a lower level of nicotine concentration, the person using the same device would have to inhale more. And so it may actually have the opposite effect in public health as was intended. Dr. Fold, what about flavors? Health Canada is still considering a nationwide ban on flavors. Is that wise? My, my opinion on flavors is that, and my rule of thumb for regu- the way e-cigarettes should be regulated generally relative to cigarettes, whether it's in flavors, whether it's on nicotine delivery, whether it's on taxation, doesn't matter is that less harmful products like e-cigarettes should never be regulated more aggressively than cigarettes, okay? If you want to encourage people to to switch from a a product that will kill 50% of users when used as intended to one that's much less likely to kill you or cause you diseases, then whatever you do with the harmful product, the cigarette, you must not regulate it more stringently with the less harmful product. So for me, what that means is that, fair enough, you may say we should not be selling flavors called, you know, um, unicorn fart or any silly title that seems like it's going to be attractive to young people, right? And there there are thousands of flavors out there some of them with the same name as products that young people tend to like to use. I think it's reasonable for regulars to say, no, we don't need a thousand flavors. We don't need flavors that seem to be geared to young people. We should rationalize it. What I don't believe is that the flavors should be just stuck to tobacco flavor. Um, and you know, in, in the United States right now, we have menthol flavor tobacco products, cigarette products. We have them tobacco flavor. So my view is that you should actually give the less harmful product a little bit of a break. Uh, so in my in my mind, the, the way I would think of that is you should allow tobacco flavor, you should allow menthol flavor, you should allow mint flavor. Not that different, but a little bit more choice and variety than you have for your competing product that you don't want people to use the cigarette. So here in the United States, we propose to ban menthol. Um, so my view would be that this is an opportunity from mentholated cigarette smokers to switch to a mentholated e-cigarette product. And I actually have another choice to try to say a mint flavor one. Um, 
And so that's that's the perspective that I would like the regulators to take, that we, we don't want hundreds of youth attractive flavours on the market being used by young people, which is what has happened. The regulators have to respond to that. They just can't let it rip for 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 more and more years. But that you know, given the evidence is so clear that e-cigarettes are less harmful than cigarettes, then we should we should not regulate the e-cigarettes as tightly as we're regulating cigarette products. Now, there's two ways of, do, of doing that. One is you can regulate the cigarette products more tightly. You can increase the, the, the tax on them and various things, or you can regulate the e-cigarette products in a way that gives them a slight leg up. And that's what I would suggest. Now, you just mentioned tax. The last issue here I'd like to get your comment on with with regards to Canada is that they just announced a federal excise tax that for all intents and purposes, if comp- if combined with the provincial tax, could lead to a 100% increase in the price of uh, certain vaping products. Is that reasonable? Well, given what I just said, I don't think that's the right way to go. Um, I think it's inevitable that... Uh, Almost all consumer consumer products are going to be taxed. You know, the governments are going to tax products. Uh, so I, I don't think it's reasonable to say, oh no, no taxation on e-cigarettes or any other product for that matter. I think that the taxation should be proportionate to the harms and to the things that you want to discourage versus versus encourage, to the danger of the thing. And so, given what I said before. You know, whatever the taxation is per per use or per pack on cigarettes, then by all means tax e-cigarette products, but don't make it anywhere close. Make it that e-cigarettes are clearly less expensive uh, in terms of the taxation component of the price than cigarettes. That's the way I would do it. Let me just ask, uh, just so we've got it kind of on the record, in your professional opinion, are nicotine vaping products a viable option for smokers who are seeking to quit? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, the evidence is clear on that. We we um, just this year published a, a paper uh, based on a trial, a randomized controlled trial. There was actually for smokers who did not plan to quit and they were randomized either high, medium or placebo nicotine e-cigarettes or a cigarette substitute that didn't involve an electronic device at all and they, it was for smokers who were interested in using a product to reduce their smoking um, and we found that if they were given a, a, a device that delivered nicotine uh, similarly to a cigarette then it did reduce their exposure to toxicants from their cigarettes even if they used the, the e-cig in conjunction with the cigarettes so what we call dual use. Um, but one, one interesting finding that was not really what we were doing the study for was that the people in that high nicotine ESIG group, as the trial went on, became more likely to quit, significantly more likely to quit. Now, the quit rates in this study were not high because it wasn't even a study designed to help people to quit smoking. But by six months later, the, the smokers who were randomized to that high nicotine e-cigarettes, about 11, 12% of them had quit smoking completely. Whereas for the people not randomized to an e-cig or randomized to a placebo e-cig, 
it was between zero and three percent. So that in itself, you know, that's, that that shows that e-cigarettes that can deliver, you know, importantly, it's not just any e-cigarette. An, an e-cigarette that can deliver nicotine uh, efficiently and, and, and in the same ballpark as a cigarette. These ones gave slightly lower, but in the same ballpark as a cigarette. People who were not even planning to quit smoking were more likely to switch completely to the e-cigarettes. So that's it. That's one kind of trial. And I, I actually feel that the, 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 the things that the people in that trial were trying to do uh, and the e-cigarettes they were given, it made the trial actually not dissimilar to the way many people first try vaping. They're, they're inquisitive. They're not making a big concerted quit attempt like they might use you know, a, a medication for. They, they've heard about them and they want to give them a try and they want to reduce their smoking and, and see. Sometimes want to see if it's a magic bullet and they can just switch to it or or just to see if it can help them reduce. And so I think I think the kind of people who are in our study and the and the outcomes were actually quite similar to people who try e-cigarettes in the first place. Um, slightly different from people who try a quitting trial or a medication trial who really want to quit smoking. Um, so it was reassuring that we got that that effect in that trial. Um, and that can be added on to the other kinds of trials, like the one that Peter Hayek did in the UK, where it was almost like people who were coming to a smoker's clinic and they were randomized to nicotine e-cigarettes versus nicotine replacement therapy plus counseling. And in his trial in the UK, the people who, who, who were randomized to the e-cigarette, again, were about twice as likely to quit smoking a year later. So when you add those studies to other studies, um, and you look at, say, the Cochrane review of all the evidence, yeah, it's crystal clear that e-cigarettes can help smokers to quit.